0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content gets posted out through there, whether it be these podcasts, my weekend articles, Twitter threads that I pull together. It's all in one place. Please do go check me out over on the Bird app. We are going to be doing a pretty standard Friday show today. We'll look back on yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the waiver wire, see who's being added, who's being dropped, and what really makes sense over there. We'll highlight a couple of pitching matchups that will be taking place tonight. There is one in particular that I am going to be very interested in, but there are a few that should be worth your time. And then, because it is Friday, we'll talk about a couple of pitching streamers over the next couple of days. Now, these last couple of weekends... There have been an abundance of pitching options. I think last weekend we talked about seven or eight streamers. The weekend before it was like four or five. This weekend we've got three that I feel really comfortable in. There's obviously going to be some others that might be fringy, deeper league kind of people. There are three guys that I feel really confident about uh, in streaming over these next couple of days, particularly Friday and Saturday. And we will talk about that closer to the end of the show. But we'll lead off the way we usually lead off. Looking back on yesterday's top performers and another day where there's not really much of a surprise who it's going to be, it was pretty clearly Spencer Strider yesterday. He had one of the best games that we've seen anybody have the entire season, pitcher, position, player, whatever. This was pure dominance. He went eight innings. He allowed only two hits. He did not give up an earned run or a walk, and the kicker here really is that he struck out 16 batters. Spencer Strider struck out 16 Colorado Rockies last night. That is just an unbelievable total for the season In 114 innings, he has 174 strikeouts, a 2.67 ERA, and a .98 whip. It's gotten to the point with Spencer Strider where we're not just talking about is he the rookie of the year. I think he pretty clearly is the rookie of the year in the National League. I think we've gotten to the point where he's going to be a down-ballot Cy Young guy, and I don't even think it'll be too far down the ballot. He'll probably be in that like six, seven, eight kind of range for Cy Young, and he has completely earned it. Like if you just look at any sample size that he's given us throughout this entire season, there's really no chunk of games you can take where you think, oh, he wasn't really doing great during that time, or uh, this wasn't this wasn't really a great month for him. Like there there isn't really a period like that. There was a run, or there was a game against San Francisco where he allowed six earned runs. There was a game against Washington where he allowed five earned runs, and there was a game against the Mets where he allowed four earned runs. Other than that, he has not been over three earned runs at any point this season. Those are the three blemishes on his resume. And even that, like we said, a two sixty seven ERA, it hasn't really affected him so much. The strikeouts are what really knock your socks off. Like, 174 strikeouts over the course of an entire season would be considered pretty acceptable for a starting pitcher over 160, 170 innings even, given... I mean, it's going to vary a little bit between guys, but... In 114 innings, to have 174 strikeouts. Absolutely absurd. I'm kind of just wondering, and I think Eric Cross was the one who tweeted this out this morning, where is Strider going to go among starting pitchers for next season? I think probably in that 15 to 20 range, not overall, but just in terms of starting pitchers, I think that he's going to probably fall somewhere around pick 15. So in the grand scheme of things, that'll probably be, if you're talking 12-team leagues, Uh, probably in the 50s or 60s I think Spencer Strider will go and I I think that might even be a little bit too low I haven't started working on rankings for next season yet I think it's a little bit too soon for that but right here if I were just to think about it off the top of my head where would I rank Spencer Strider he'd be about 50 like he'd be pretty close to a top 50 player I, I think that that can move up and down a little bit but that's the general range we're going to find him right now And I just remember at the beginning of the year, there were a couple of sharp Twitter accounts. And I wish I knew who they were at this point, because it was just, you know, they go by on the timeline. You don't really keep track of it so much. But there were a couple people who said, like, very, very early on with Spencer Strider, after his maybe first or second relief appearance of the year, very early on, to say, Spencer Strider is a really strong dynasty pickup. Really, even in redraft leagues, he was a good stash. And this was very early in the season, I mean, most redraft players wouldn't have even noticed him at this point until he became a starter. And honestly, since he's been a starter, he's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. If you're looking at some of the leaderboards in the National League, now he doesn't qualify on the ERA leaderboard, not enough innings pitched, but his 267 ERA would rank fifth behind Alcantara, Julio Urias, Zach Gallant, and Max Freed. His 174 strikeouts rank fourth behind only Corbin Burns, Carlos Rodon, and Aaron Nola. Like, we are already talking about an elite pitcher, so... I think he'll probably be in the 50 ish range next season, but if he went higher, it really wouldn't surprise me. Like, he has been an absolute treat to watch. If we're talking about Yahoo Standard Points Leagues yesterday, he was the highest scoring player by more than 21 points, which is just, or excuse me, just shy of 21. It was 20.9 points he led by. He had 58. And the next highest-scoring player who we'll talk about here for a second was Logan Gilbert at 37. But that's just such a massive discrepancy at the top of the leaderboard. You don't usually see that. But when you go eight innings, when you get the victory and when you strike out 16, that's obviously going to go a long way for you there. Let's talk about Logan Gilbert. He struggled there for a little while, but he has bounced back over these last couple of outings. Went six innings and got the victory against the Tigers yesterday. He allowed two hits and one walk while striking out nine. Now, some people will look at these last couple outings and say, well, it's Detroit, it's Cleveland, it's Oakland. You know, he's doing pretty well, but these are not great teams. But you have to also look at the other side of that coin, and it's the fact that he had a four-start stretch where it was Yankees, Yankees, Houston, Houston, and then Texas in the middle, Toronto, San Diego. Like, he had a horrible stretch of opponents there for a while, and granted, he did not do very well. He was walking a lot of batters. He was allowing four, five, six earned runs pretty regularly, even seven earned runs there against the Yankees. So... Obviously, people got kind of frustrated with him. Even I said it a couple days ago that he's probably below those other pitchers now in Seattle, below your Kirby's and your Castillo's and your Robbie Ray's. But I don't think we do put enough stock into the fact that those opponents are going to give anybody trouble. It's going to lower anybody's stats for the season. It's obviously a very tough stretch of games. Now you kind of get that course correction here over these last few outings, and he's done what he's supposed to do. And that ERA is still 3.35. The whip is 1.21. He's striking out pretty much a batter per inning. Uh, I was really big on him at the beginning of the season, and I thought we had struck gold. Not quite as gold, golden as we thought, maybe. Uh, similarly to Pablo Lopez, I thought early on, like, these guys are going to absolutely break out. They kind of regress towards the mean a little bit there, but Logan Gilbert is still... I mean, I would prefer Logan Gilbert over Pablo Lopez. They're both, I think, really strong options, but I, I put them in the same kind of category at this point. Logan Gilbert was definitely the victim of some terrible matchups that you shouldn't really hold against him. Um, He's just not somebody who is going to be struggling like that consistently against your average opponents. Obviously, Yankees, Yankees, Astros, Astros, Blue Jays, that's going to be tough for anybody. His next start comes against the White Sox. They are hard to tell what kind of version you're going to see on any given night. Sometimes it's just utter garbage. Sometimes they come out, all systems go. So hopefully we don't get the best version of the White Sox on that particular day and we can get another great Logan Gilbert outing, but I think that he is capable of giving you a good outing, regardless of opponent, it just was a really tough uh, stretch there for him, and I I wouldn't hold it against him in the long run, if you do look back earlier in the season, he struck out, or excuse me, he went seven innings against Houston, striking out five, allowing four hits, nowhere in runs, like he is capable of getting through those tough teams, it's just one after the other, bit of a barrage there, he didn't do well, but don't be dropping Logan Gilbert, I doubt you were dropping Logan Gilbert anyway, but There were a few people that did. I mean, he dropped below 90% roster there for a little while. He's back up to right on 90 at this point. So it's likely that not many people uh, still have him available in their leagues. But there were some people who got frustrated for a while. Just maybe make sure if you are in a shallower league, 8 or 10 teams, to make sure Logan Gilbert is not available because there is a chance that he might be when he really shouldn't be. Let's talk about Merrill Kelly now. He has definitely been one of my favorite pickups of the season. I think you could make the argument that he is the waiver wire pickup of the year, or certainly on a short list. He went seven innings yesterday against the Brewers, picking up the victory. He did not allow a run, only four hits, and struck out seven. There's nothing to be done here fantasy-wise. Merrill Kelly is already rostered everywhere, or at least he should be. There might be a couple of leagues where he's not, because there are some players like this where people just never really buy in. He's 83% rostered. I guess it's kind of what we saw with... Martin Perez, where he's, what is Martin Perez at this point? 85% roster, the same kind of thing. People, even if it goes on for the entire year, might not buy into something like this because they just don't believe it, which I can understand kind of earlier in the year. But we are into September now, and Merrill Kelly has been dominant pretty much the entire way. Obviously, the odd little blemish here and there, more so earlier in the season, and there was that one game where he allowed eight earned runs, which was really the brunt of the damage against him this season. There was that one. And there was a one game where he allowed five earned runs against Cincinnati. But he's been really, truly excellent the entire season. The question at this time of year starts to become, will he be in my lineup next week? Is he worthy of making that next start for me, especially now that we are into the playoffs? It's against the Padres. It's in San Diego, which does come with some risks. San Diego can pop off on any given night. Now, we've seen recently thought the greatest offensive outpourings from them, Five runs, four runs, six runs, seven runs, four runs. They had 13 against the Royals. They had 0, 1, 2, 2, 3, 1. We're not seeing massive numbers here from them over these last couple weeks, even against opponents where they probably should be doing very well. Like, they had that one double-digit outpouring there against the Royals, but series against the Nationals and the Guardians and, you know, even the Giants where they won every game of the series, they won them by one run, and they scored a total of 15 runs in three games. It's pretty good. But, I mean, this this team is capable of quite a lot more. They're not performing to the best of their abilities. I think I'm probably going to be starting Merrill Kelly, depending on format. Obviously, in deeper formats, you kind of have to. But even if you're talking like a 10-, 12-team league, maybe you don't in a 10. But I think anything 12 and deeper, I'd feel really confident starting Merrill Kelly here. It can be it can be dangerous. No question there there is danger associated there. We're at the time of year where like literally one bad start can end your season, but I, I would have more faith in Merrill Kelly than you would picking up any random streamer. Even if it's, you know, a good matchup against the Nationals or against Oakland or one of those teams. I think I'm gonna have more faith in the guy who's shown it the entire year versus kind of a shot in the dark with one of these guys who you're hoping for a good outing, but it's kind of inconsistent there. I, I'm I'm leaning towards starting Kelly where I have him, and I think that you guys probably should too if it's deep enough. Let's talk about Joey Manessa's because I think that he is a really great story this season. He is a 30-year-old rookie for the Nationals, and he has been absolutely raking. So yesterday he was four for six. He hit a home run and drove in four. What he's done in his career, which has been 99 at-bats, he's scored 18 runs. He's knocked in 15. He's hit seven homers, and he's batting three fifty-four. This is just a really fantastic story, and I think it's becoming more of a fantasy-relevant story every single day. So he's currently up to 32% rostered over in Yahoo! Leagues. Over the last month, he is a top 50 player. Over the last week, he's a top 25 player. I would be adding him up where you can still grab him. I know that that lineup isn't so great, but he's batting second or third, getting consistent at bats every single day. He's shown us good power, got that infield-outfield mix. I think that he can be a really valuable fantasy asset here down the line. There might come a point where this hot streak falls off and we have to do what we've done a million times this season, which is drop him for the next hot guy. But right now, he has really been excellent. I, I would not be leaving him out on waiver wires. Obviously, yes, the team around him, there's not going to be a hell of a lot of support, but that hasn't really dictated his fantasy value so far. He is providing value all by himself. So I would go ahead and pick him up where you can still get him. Let's talk about Kyle Bradish here for a second now. I was staying away from him for the most part yesterday, even though he was coming off of an eight innings shutout performance against Houston. I just thought that that was really screaming outlier at us and I didn't think he'd be able to repeat it, but I was wrong. He did. He went seven innings shutout ball again, this time against Cleveland striking out five. He did walk three batters, but you will absolutely take what he gave you 15 straight scoreless innings for Kyle Bradish Now, the question again is: Does he make another start for your team if you added him, or do you go and pick him up now? And the answer to that for me is still going to be no. He's facing the Blue Jays in his next start. It'll be on Tuesday. It's too risky for me personally. I mean, we are every week gets a little bit more important, and I think we kind of have to, I don't know, thin out the herd of of streaming possibilities. I don't think that he's going to cut it in a really tough matchup against Toronto. His last time against Toronto, he allowed five earned runs in four and a third. It was a couple months ago, but as a whole here, I think there are probably going to be better options on Tuesday or even just next week when you're planning out your week for streaming. I don't think that Kyle Bradish is going to be one of the top three or four guys that you're going to be wanting to use your ads on. If it's a deeper league, maybe, and he maybe has earned deeper league consideration because of these last couple of outings, but I would not be uh, running to go grab him right now anyway. If you are set on streaming him for that game, maybe wait a few days. See what happens over the weekend and heading into Monday before you start to make that decision. Let's move on to our waiver wire portion of the show. I'm just going to go through the most added and dropped players across fantasy today. There are a couple that I will skip over because they will be included in the streaming segment I'm going to do at the end. But a couple of those guys who are streaming options have been added up as well. But let's start with Gunnar Henderson. He stole a base yesterday. He had another hit He's an absolute must-roster player. Now, they had him at shortstop yesterday after him being uh, third base in his first game. I think that they'll probably bounce him around a little bit, and it might take a week or so, but he'll have eligibility at third as well, sooner rather than later, I would expect. So go ahead and add him, even if maybe you don't need just a shortstop right now. You'll have a little more versatility in the coming, hopefully, week or so. So that's just another added bonus to go along with the already massive power and speed potential we're getting out of Gunnar Henderson. Go ahead and add him up. Not much of a problem there for me. Jimmy Herget is also being added up. Now, he's gotten the last few save opportunities here for the Angels. He's the guy who throws at a really strange angle, I believe. He's gotten three consecutive saves, two against the Yankees, one against the Blue Jays. Very impressive stuff. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to maintain a lot of value. How many save opportunities are the Angels really going to get? Probably not too many over this last month or so. Maybe we're talking uh, best-case scenario, seven, eight save opportunities. Maybe. Does he get all of them? It's really hard to say exactly. I think that there are probably some safer closer slash reliever options right now. If you're absolutely desperate, you have nobody, you lost Ryan Presley and nobody to replace him with, then maybe you go with Herget in the short term. But I really wouldn't get too attached here. He's probably not going to have so much value for too long. Pretty okay strikeout numbers with pretty okay ratios. But I think the saves are going to be kind of hard to come by. And who knows if he'll even get those opportunities when they when they come up. So I'm mostly going to be passing here on an ad of Jimmy Herget. Joy Manessis is also among the most added players today. We talked about him. I think this one makes a lot of sense here. He has been providing a lot of power, a lot of really everything except for steals. And you need to add him up at least while he's hot. He's probably somebody that will need to be dropped later in the season. If he maintains it, great. If not, then you just switch about for the next hottest thing. But right now he's pretty close to being uh, the hottest thing that you can find on waivers. So I would be uh, pretty interested there. Some news out of New York. Oswald Peraza is being called up here by the Yankees. He's got 33 steals and 18 homers in less than a hundred games this season in AAA. Now, His playing time might be a question. Will he play every single day? I doubt that he'll play every single day, but he should be able to give you a little bit of a boost with stolen bases. I'm, I'm not so sold on an ad here. I think he is more of a deeper league kind of guy. But if the Yankees start to play him more consistently, he could be a really valuable fantasy asset. So I think for right now, if you have, maybe a free roster spot that you don't mind stashing him on. I don't think that he'll play so much to have so much value in this next week or so. I could be wrong. I anticipate this being a slow thing with them. I'd say deep leagues, go for it. Shallower leagues, it's probably not going to be worth it. And maybe it becomes worth it. But for right now, I think that roster spot needs to be spent on somebody who is actively producing for you. So 15 and deeper, even 14 deeper, um, I, I would be alright with it, but anything shallower I think we need to take a pause here on Oswald Peraza. Corbin Carroll got himself back into the starting lineup yesterday. He had a base hit, and he is continuing to be added now up to 52%. Now we're going to keep track of where he is and where Gunnar Henderson is the rest of the season. Henderson is at 44% right now. I think once Henderson gets that third base eligibility, he will surpass uh, Corbin Carroll. But for right now, Carroll's still 8% more rostered. I'm curious to see what happens rest of the season because I do think that Carroll will probably be more of a complete fantasy player. It's speculation, but it's where I would lean right now, but Henderson is going to have the more uh, valuable eligibility. So that one should be pretty close by the end of the year. I think they'll both be well over 70% by the time we call it quits, maybe even touching 80, who knows. But uh, that one should be fun to watch and it's really cool. I mean, I know it's to do with the CBA, but I just love the fact that these guys are all coming up right now. If I wish it was a little bit earlier, and hopefully we don't see too much manipulation of at-bats. We saw Corbin Carroll 10 at-bats in his first two games, so they kind of got worried there, sat him down. I think that's what happened anyway. Maybe they just wanted to give him a break, but I think it's trying to keep below that 130 at-bat threshold. Uh, I think they're inside of the time. I think it's 40 days you have to be on the roster, and then you're no longer a rookie. They're trying to maintain those eligibilities because next year I think – the way I understand it is if these guys go on to win Rookie of the Year or something like that or finish somewhere in the balloting of Rookie of the Year, then they get an extra draft pick out of it or something like that. It's all rather foolish and stupid. It's it's not really fair to these guys who have been worthy of being on a major league roster for pretty much the whole season. I mean, uh, I, like I've said before, I'm not the most tuned in on these things, but could Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson have been up since April? Next time we bring on Welsh or Eric Cross or one of those guys, we'll ask them because I'm, I'm really not too sure what the, what the outlook on them was heading into the season. Were they expected to make camp sooner than this? I think they were. But, I mean, would they have been in the same level as Julio and as Bobby Witt? I don't know. But I think it's definitely interesting to think about. Like I said, I'm not the most prospect savvy person, so maybe one of you guys who's listening isn't is thinking, no, there's no way that those guys are going to be up in April and who knows man like they they look like they could have probably been okay to be up a little bit earlier than they were it's awful to see teams just manipulate different things like that to try and get an extra draft pick or a couple extra bucks or an extra year of having a player connected to your team it's kind of stupid but i mean that's that's just baseball for you Let's move on to some drops at this point. We are going to be looking at Rich Hill. He had a rather rough outing yesterday. He allowed four runs over four innings against Texas. Only two strikeouts for him. Obviously, we weren't going to expect that 11 strikeout performance to repeat itself. He was okay here, but it's obviously not going to do so much for you from a fantasy point of view, especially just the two strikeouts. No problem at all dropping Rich Hill. Ken Waldachuk, I think it's Waldachuk, but like I said yesterday, I think I've heard a couple people say, why the Chuck? I'm really not sure. But he allowed one run over four and two thirds yesterday against the Nationals. He struck out six. I think that he can have some decent streaming intrigue over the next few weeks. I don't think he's going to go particularly deep in games, but he can strike out batters. Maybe he goes five innings, give you seven strikeouts a few times. I wouldn't start him against great offenses, but I think given the right opportunity, like we saw yesterday against the Nationals, I think he can carry some streaming value there. So remember Wydachuk, Waldachuck however it is, do not go pick him up right now <clears throat> because I don't think there's going to be that many people who are going to be so interested in it. You could probably wait, save it for an ad for next week if you like. Right now, uh, I wouldn't be so interested. I'm going to just take a look really quickly at their schedule. Um, the next start for him should be coming up against the Braves, I think. That's going to be tough. Uh, I think we're probably going to be leaving him alone for that start. Maybe they push him back and he doesn't get that start and he starts against the White Sox. Uh, I'm not not sure exactly what they're going to do here. If it is the Braves, that's probably a little bit too risky for me. I think that he can have some streaming value, like I said, but that's probably not the best place to be doing it. Eduardo Rodriguez, he is also another drop. He's not somebody that I've ever really been a fan of. He allowed five runs in four innings. He got the loss yesterday, five strikeouts as well. But Erod is just really not all that from a fantasy point of view. He's still 49% rostered. I don't know, man. I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big Erod fan. I think that that number should go down, like, substantially. 50% of teams still holding on. does not make a hell of a lot of sense. I don't think there will be that much value for him. That being said, excuse me, his next start is against the Angels, so maybe he can scrape out a good one for you there. I'm just not going to be putting – my eggs in his basket during fantasy playoffs. I would rather go a few other different uh, routes other than Eduardo Rodriguez. Kyle Bradish is also among the drops. I don't have a massive problem with that, even though he has had a couple of good games in a row. Like we said, next time out against the Blue Jays, he's probably not going to be somebody that you're going to be so interested in holding on to there. If you're feeling really ballsy, or maybe it's a deeper league, then maybe you keep him, but I don't think it makes too much sense here. We don't really have that many drops today other than just guys who were streamed in for yesterday. Nothing really so major. Jorge Mateo has been dropped by some leagues, uh, less than 1,000 leagues, nothing crazy here. He has been on a 2-for-16 run. So if you do want to drop him and switch him out for the next biggest thing, I guess you can do that. I think that he'll still probably have some value here going forward, but we've probably seen the best of it. So it's it's not going to be... an oh-no situation if you are dropping Jorge Mateo. Max Muncy is another guy who's been dropped. And I thought, you know, for a good little while there, a couple weeks, even maybe three weeks, that I was wrong and he's come back and maybe we should have held on. But I think the overall product has just been so bad and inconsistent this year. It's like, if a guy like Muncy can't have value on the Dodgers, you got to really worry about him going forward here. In his 369 at-bats, the only real positive is 16 home runs. Fifty-four runs, fifty one RBIs. I mean a big portion of that is because he plays for such an elite offense. But the one eighty-four batting average, like he's never been a guy that you're gonna to expect to hit three hundred, but Jesus, like it's it's really it's really actively hurting your team at this point. I think it I think it makes sense in a lot of cases to move on for Max Muncie. There might be some leagues where they're deep enough where you have to hold on, or maybe you just have no other option at second base at the moment. But I'm pretty damn okay with uh, with Max Muncy being sent back to waiver wires. I do want to talk about my streamers now for this weekend. Now, there are three that I'm really comfortable with. There's one that I'm less so comfortable with, but I think should still be all right. So let's start with them here. The first one that I'm going for, and I mentioned him yesterday, was David Peterson. Now, he's going to be starting tonight against Washington. We weren't sure if he was going to be starting because they kind of took their sweet time confirming it. But Peterson will get the nod here in one of the best, most friendly matchups you could find in fantasy. I was really upset when Peterson got sent down, first moved to the pen and then sent down, and then they've kind of jerked him around a little bit. When he's been up in the majors, he's been fantastic. In his 89 and two-thirds, he has 104 strikeouts, a 321 ERA, and a 128 whip. Now, the strikeouts is something that really got a lot better as the season progressed. In those uh, last few starts of his in July before he was moved back to the pen, we saw seven strikeouts, nine strikeouts, eight strikeouts, And now over his last two outings here, seven strikeouts against Colorado and six strikeouts against Philadelphia. He can give you big-time K numbers. He's probably capable of giving you 10. I think we could see 10 here tonight against the Nationals. Not that I'd be necessarily betting that, but it's definitely something that he has in him. There's really not anybody else that I would recommend over him tonight. He would be my number one option. Now, my number two option is going to be Alex Cobb. And I've gone on and on about Alex Cobb this season, and you guys are probably sick of hearing it. But he's still 41% rostered, pitching for granted. Not a great team, but not a terrible team. And he's got a sub-4 ERA. Those factors there, you add in the strikeouts, which are above average. Average to slightly above average, I guess you could say. And I don't know why he's still available in so many leagues. Now, he gets Philadelphia tonight. They'll be playing in San Francisco. I continue to be all in on Alex Cobb. Now, we talked about his teammate Alex Wood yesterday and how they had kind of similar paths this season both pitching a lot better than what the standard numbers would tell you, Babbitt to death, not leaving any batters on base. It was just really rough, and Cobb has seen a course correction where Alex Wood has gone the opposite way. Over these last months, he has a 3.10 ERA. Granted, the wins are going to be kind of hard to come by with Alex Cobb. For whatever reason, this season, despite him pitching pretty well for most of it, in 111 innings, he only won four games. So that's something that I think the rest of the season, they're complete you know, roulette table, but he should be able to get a couple of wins in here over these last few weeks to a month. I think the gods have started to, and now there's nothing scientific about this particular argument right here, but the gods have started to favor him again. It seems those early season, terrible, awful BABIP numbers and bad outings seem to be behind him. And you figure that wins will start to come along with that equation. So if he is still out there, Alex Cobb makes for a really strong start or stream for me today. The third one that, not so much originally on my radar, but looking through it, he kind of came into the background afterwards. And I think that he'd be all right. I think that he's the third option behind those other two guys. But I still think he's all right. And that's going to be Dean Kramer for the Baltimore Orioles. Now, he's coming off of three straight really good starts against Toronto, Boston, and Houston. That's really impressive stuff right there. I'm just a little worried about the lasting staying power of this, if you will. Um, can he give us a fourth consecutive really good start? It's possible with guys like Kramer who are below average pitchers in general, if we're being honest with ourselves. I worry about this many good starts in a row and how long that they'll really keep going for. It's it's the same thing with any hot streak in baseball. When is the end date? When does it expire? I think it'll probably be sooner rather than later with Dean Kramer. Obviously, he's been really good recently. But he's also shown us at times that he's been really bad this season and even last season, not the biggest sample size, 53 innings, but he had an ERA over 7.5. Like he's, he's still a work in progress, I think. He's not somebody that you can go out there and say, yes, he's a, he's a great stream whenever he's available, which is kind of what I've done with Alex Cobb this year. Wherever he's a streamer, wherever he's available, I'm pretty much streaming him unless we're talking about like Dodgers or what have you. And I've rostered Cobb in a lot of cases this season, so he hasn't really needed to be a streamer for me. A guy like Kramer is specifically just for streaming purposes. I see him. I mean, I know he's been added up a lot over these last couple of weeks. He was up at or He was down at 14%. Now he's up to nearly 30% rostered. And that's what's going to happen after a few good starts. I just worry, like I said, guys like this who do not have the greatest track record. They're coming off of a few really good starts in a row. Can he keep it up? I'd be pretty surprised if he can. The strikeouts are below average. Everything else is going to need to be really on point for him to have fantasy value. You're going to need to see him go at least like six innings for him to carry enough value there, hopefully. I just don't see it. Uh, I'm personally going for either Peterson or Cobb or either, or just holding off, unless you're talking desperation. And there are a couple of leagues where your ERA is already at seven for the week, so it doesn't matter you just need strikeouts, you need wins, you need whatever, but the ratios don't matter. Then I guess you go for Kramer, not the biggest strikeout upside. But I mean, I am in a league like that at this point of the week as well, where the ERA is over seven. It doesn't really matter so much. Generally, my advice is if you're in more of a neutral ERA zone, obviously, if your ERA is like 0.21 heading into Sunday, you're starting nobody. And if it's over eight, you're starting literally, you know, you'll start anybody but generally when I'm saying I wouldn't, I would. Let's just call that if you have an ERA of like 3-5 or something. If you're just in an average kind of week, nothing crazy, 3-5 to 4, obviously case to case is going to vary a little bit. But those guys for tonight, I think should be your best options. Your Dean Kramer, uh, David Peterson, and of course, Alex Cobb, who has been, I mean, I've been a, st- a complete stan of Alex Cobb this season. I know that Maybe I've overloved him uh, throughout the year. The strikeout numbers have fallen a little bit. He's not winning games, but the stuff is a lot better than the product. And I think the main reason I've just been so enamored with him is the roster percentage. He's just available everywhere pretty much. So you can go get your hands on him in 10s and 12s and 15s. I mean, maybe a little bit harder in 15s, but he is available all over the place. I think all of those guys are really, really strong options. And even when we're talking, uh, not just tonight, I think rest of season, if David Peterson continues to start, I think that he'll have value. I think that Alex Cobb will have value rest of season. Now, Kramer, obviously more hit or miss, but those first two guys, don't think that because you stream them, you have to drop them afterwards. I think that they can be really valuable assets going for the next month or so, especially Peterson. Peterson has really impressed me, those massive strikeout numbers, pitching for a great team. I think that he is a borderline must roster, assuming that he is a starting pitcher in that rotation. Once we get past tonight, the options really start to thin out. There is one guy we're going to talk about for Saturday, and there are a couple of guys who should be pretty viable on Sunday in the second part of their two-step. I think that there should be some value here, but I would recommend grabbing up one of the three guys going tonight if you do have a couple of moves left. Now, when we talk about tomorrow, it's going to be Nick Lodolo for me. He's going to be the best option. It does not come without its risks. We are playing in Great American Ballpark. There's always home run factors there. But we are facing the Rockies, so it's kind of offset by the fact that it's not the greatest lineup. Nick Lodolo has been fantastic now for quite some time. I don't think that he should be rostered in really many leagues, but he's only rostered in 30% of Yahoo leagues. Those kind of strikeouts, they're really not growing on trees on the waiver wire. That's the big thing that comes with his value. Obviously, starts at home, can be a little risky, but I think the fact that it's the Rockies, you will take that chance. There's just nobody else with that kind of upside going tomorrow there's really, really not a hell of a lot going tomorrow at all. So it's Saturday is a day more to skip over. If you are feeling really brazen, I think Jake Odorizzi might have some really deep league value against the uh, Marlins. But tomorrow is a day where I would pretty much avoid streaming. Now, just to touch quickly back on those guys we talked about earlier in the week, the two priority ones here are actually going to be facing each other on Sunday, which, of course, is a risk of its own. But that's George Kirby and Cal Quantrill. They've both been on rolls for quite some time. Kirby is up to 67% rostered, and Quantrill is also 67% rostered. So these guys are going to be a little bit harder to come by, but I think they are the best options. Sub, we'll call them sub-70% rostered on Yahoo for this weekend. And I know that that's kind of a high bar, but there are still going to be some leagues where you can find these guys. Mostly 10-team leagues, I think, but there are going to be still some 12s where they're sitting out there Less active leagues, perhaps, but I've said this before just because a league is less active doesn't mean that there's not money involved. I have I've known people who will pay league fees 20, 50, 100 bucks, and then by the time June comes around, they don't give a shit anymore. It happens. It doesn't mean that you can't still win money at the end of it or just, you know, win your league and have fun with it. Kirby and Quantrill, if they are available in those kind of leagues or in any kind of leagues, uh, I think that they make for ideal streamers for Sunday. The other two options, so we've already gone over these, so if you listened earlier in the week, you've already heard these names. But Cole Irvin against the Orioles here, he should be a really strong option. Obviously, he struggled last time out against the Nationals. He was still able to give us some good strikeouts and the win. Obviously, the opponent is slightly better here with with uh, the Orioles, but they're still a team that I think are playing way above what they should be doing And I think a good pitcher like Cole Irvin, granted, not a great pitcher, but a good pitcher should still be able to work his way through them. We've seen him deal with Houston. We've seen him deal with Toronto. We've seen him deal with the Yankees this season. I wouldn't be so worried here about Baltimore. He's coming off of a bad start, but I'm not – I know a lot of people drop Cole Irvin, so he's available. I'm not as worried about the masses. I'm generally a bit higher on him than most people, but I think that this should be a really strong opportunity on a bit of a weaker streaming day. The last option we'll talk about here is going to be Matt Manning. And now he burned us really big time earlier in the week, seven earned runs against Seattle. His opponent is actually dropping down a level here. He gets Kansas City in Detroit, that nice, big, beautiful, pitcher-friendly ballpark. So Matt Manning, I think, should be a decent option as well here for Sunday. Sunday is really not the greatest day other than those four guys. Went through these for a couple hours this morning, trying to figure out, Who are these, who am I going to recommend here? Who are the guys that we're going to be talking about? And there's really not so, so much going on. There's a couple of decent matchups where you might want to watch them over the weekend. But in terms of streaming, there's just not so many widely available guys that I can have really much, if, if any, confidence in. So just to recap briefly here, we have David Peterson, Alex Cobb, and Dean Kramer for tonight. Nick Ladolo for tomorrow, and then, of course, our two-start guys. In the second half of their uh, outings, we have Kirby, Quantrill, Irvin, and Manning. I think those guys are your most viable streamers. The two-steppers, those are guys I added earlier in the week. Hopefully, you don't have to be competing with people at this point Um, for that one start. Hopefully, you were able to get two of them. But, man, uh, really wishing you guys the best of luck. This is the most important time of the year, and it's when fantasy really gets fun. I mean, the two most fun parts of the year for me draft season, and obviously the last month when everybody is hyper-focused. I mean, the serious people are hyper-focused. Maybe some other people are doing their football drafts. But this is the time of the year when you can either win a bunch of money or you lose a bunch of money. And you know that old saying, banners, flags, they fly forever. So this is the time when you can really make good against your friends or maybe it's just random people you're playing with or who knows who they are. But this this is the time of season when you get the glory. So... That's pretty much going to do it. I do want to highlight my matchup of the day before we go, though. It's going to be taking place at 7.20 p.m. We have Sandy Alcantara and Charlie Morton. Sandy Alcantara, we obviously don't need to go too much into him here. He is a leading contender for the Cy Young. Charlie Morton is somebody who has been really strong for most of this season, a little bit up and down, but we've seen a lot better version of Charlie Morton than I thought we would. Massive strikeouts once again when he pretty much seemed like he was done earlier on in the season. So this one should be probably the most entertaining there, even just given Sandy Alcantara is involved. The other option that I think could be maybe equally as entertaining is going to be the Dodgers and the Padres. We have Yu Darvish and Dustin May. This one, for obvious reasons, should be a lot of fun, even just the division rival kind of thing. But then when we're looking at Yu Darvish, what he's done this season, despite his lower strikeout numbers, he's been really excellent. I mean, recently... We haven't had any games where there's been like shutout performances like we saw a few times earlier in the year. But he's not giving up any more than two or three earned runs. He's striking out between six and ten batters. And he has been really, honestly, an excellent fantasy option once again. Dustin May, he's only made a couple of starts this season, but they've both been pretty damn good. Specifically, the first one against Miami. but I mean, they're both against Miami. Specifically, the one that was in Los Angeles was really good. Here, he gets a little bit more of a test against the Padres. So, hopefully that he can keep this up. Dustin May was added I think in pretty much every single league at this point he is up to 79% rostered he should be an interesting option if you can still get your hands on him probably not too many leagues at this point but maybe just take a quick peek and make sure that he is not available guys that will do it for us for today and for the week I really appreciate you continuing to check us out here please do subscribe and rate whether it be on iTunes uh, Google Spotify however it is you listen to the podcast. Really appreciate you guys leaving the thumbs up, positive reviews and all that good stuff. And following on Twitter at Joe Orico 99 and at ethos fantasy BB. That's where our baseball and fantasy baseball content gets posted out from here at sports ethos and will continue to be throughout the entire offseason. So please do go throw us some love on those pages and on our show pages guys. Take care. And we hope to see you next week in the playoffs or at least one step closer to a championship. Take care, everybody. Cheers.